Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all Okay, good morning, everybody. <laughs> I'm so excited about today's talk. It's the, the fourth talk in our series of Live Till You Die. Um, so the last few weeks, we've been talking about how God wants a really full life for each one of us. He wants us to live a life where we feel every day counts, and we feel that really, we feel the blood throbbing through our bodies, and we feel like everything is meaningful, and, and there's a purpose behind everything, even the menial things that I'm doing in, li- in life. Then we talked about how holding on to our past, or holding on to our burdens, or onto our treasures, can hold us back from what God has planned for us. So we need to let go of that in, in order to move forward and find what God has prepared for us. And then last week we talked about having like an, a, a ginormous faith that expects the unexpected and that ex- expects the like beyond what you can see and, and beyond what you can imagine because that's what God is capable and willing to do in each of our lives. This week, we're going to be talking about like the, the climax of this talk, where, of this series, where this series has been headed. What is my calling and how do I fulfill it? How do I reach my calling? And that's like, for, for many of us, that's like a, one of the top questions when you want to sit with a Buna, you know, you want to ask him, how do I know who I'm going to marry? What career do I choose? And this is one of those top questions up there. What do I know is my calling? What does God want for me in my life? That's a big question that often we find very difficult to answer. I'll tell you a story from my life from maybe like well, nine years ago or ten years ago or so. So some of you may know I did some mission work in Africa um, a while ago. And so I was there for a few months and I would go and I would serve and I'd preach in the villages and I'd help serve in, in the churches in, the, in the, like this little village uh, away from the capital. Um, and there, there are lots of churches out there in the, in the Coptic church. Anyway, so um, one day the priest who was in charge asked me if I could redirect my ministry and start serving in, a, in the, the bigger city called Kusumu. And I was quite happy where I was already. And he asked me, I, I, I want you to go and start serving Kasumu. It was a different group of people. I didn't know them that well. And th- the cities are very different to the villages in, in Kenya. Um, so I, was, I told him, you know what, let me pray about it. And if I feel that like God wants me to do it, then yeah, sure, I'll do it. So I prayed. And I prayed. And I prayed. And the days went past. And I didn't do anything because I didn't hear God telling me to do anything. So I continued on as I was. And I could see him itching in the corner, you know, thinking, why isn't she doing what I asked her to do? And I'm praying. I'm like, I need to know what God's will is. I'm not going to do anything until God tells me what to do. I can't go and change my ministry until I know that this is what he wants. So I kept praying. I kept praying. And then one day, this priest exploded. He's like, didn't I tell you to go and serve in this church in Kasumi? Why haven't you done it? And I had the, the, the what, what's the phrase, the gore, the guts, I don't know. The, what is it? The goal? The goal? The guts? Yeah, it wasn't like not very wise to say, well, I don't feel this is what God wants me to do. So I just did nothing. And anyway, there was a big fallout about it. Everything worked out in the end, but I had to really eat some dust and learn that sometimes obedience is enough. You don't need God to appear to you every time to do a service. Sometimes the calling comes from other ways. So we're going to delve a little bit more into, to again, what is my calling and how do, I, how do I do it? The number one thing is just do it. 
Sometimes we hum and haw and think about things and philosophize and like I said, we, wanna, we want a vision from heaven to tell us what to do. But sometimes the answer is just do it. Because all of us are called. This is something we need to get into all of our heads. Sometimes we think Abuna is called, bishops called, people who leave their jobs, those are called, teachers are maybe called, you know, to serve God in teaching. But you know, I'm an accountant. Maybe my calling is just to donate money or not even that. I'm just like, that's not really a calling. But that's not true. All of us are called. I'll tell you how we know this. In Ephesians, St. Paul writes, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is a definite. He says we are, all of us, each one of us, created for good works. And we're, we're God's workmanship, and he's asking us, to walk in them. That means all of us are called. Indecision is in itself a decision. Sometimes we think it is and we don't realize that just doing nothing, procrastination, I'm the worst. Many of you know this. When you send me a text, if I don't reply straight away, often I'm, I'm slow with texts, as most of you know, but sometimes because I don't know what to say. So I just let it drag out and it drags out and drags out until it's like too late to answer because now it's just awkward. It's like been a week and the, you know, the situation's completely changed. Indecision is a decision. I have to remind myself all the time, not replying is a reply. Sorry to everybody who I'm late replying to. There's a story of the talents which many of us know where Jesus tells this parable where this rich, wealthy master gives three servants different amounts of talents because he's traveling. So he get to one, he gives five. To another, another, I think he gives two. And the last, he gives one. So the one who has five, he has a lot. So he, he deals with it and does business with it, and it multiplies. The one who has two, he also does some business with his two talents. And those also, also multiply. The one who has one thinks to himself, I just have one. You know what? Let me just bury it in the ground to be safe so I don't lose it. It's just one. Those guys, they have tons. I have one. Let me just bury it in the ground. And the master comes back and he, he doesn't say to him, why were you scared? Why are you worried? Why were you indecisive? He doesn't say that to him. Look what he says. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. You should have at the very least have deposited my money so I could have got the interest. This parable applies to all of us too. Sometimes, again, we'll look at people who we think are superstars in the church or high flyers in the church. They're so spiritual. They're so active servants. I can never be like so-and-so. I, I'm never going to be as meaningful or do a, do a great talker, do be a great Sunday school teacher or lead worship so wonderfully. I'm, you know, I'll come and attend and I'll leave and you know, that's, that's my lot in life. But God says no. Every one of us is called and every one of us has a talent. And that talent, however small or however insignificant you think it is, should be invested in the kingdom of heaven. And he will bless it. There's a verse, I didn't put it up here, where he says that he who has much will be given more. He who has little will even lose what he has. Sometimes that verse sounds really mean. But what he's actually saying is what you have, if you use the little that you have, it will become multiplied. If you hide it and think, I have nothing to offer. 
I'm nobody. I, I'm not qualified. I'm not theological enough. I'm not, I have no experience in teaching Sunday school. I have no experience in giving talks. Well, let me tell you a surprise. The first time I gave, ever gave a talk, I had zero experience. The first time anybody ever gave a talk, they had zero experience. The first time the worship team came up here and led worship, they had zero experience. And I'm sure all of you can see a vast improvement in all of those ministries. That just comes by somebody saying, here's my talent, I'm willing to offer it, and let you multiply it, Lord. So we are all called, and God is saying, if you are indecisive, indecisive and doing nothing with the talent that you have been given, that in itself is a decision, telling God, I choose not to do anything with my talent that you've given me. Again, sometimes the devil can come and tell us, well, it's for some and not for others, but look at this verse. And this is critical, actually, for all of us sitting here to realize this truth, that the whole body, which is you and me and everyone here, is joined and knit together, together by what every joint supplies. Not some, every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Again, all of these words are telling us every, do your share, supply, knit together. We are in it all together. Everybody here has an active role in the kingdom of heaven. If you look at yourself now and you don't know how you're serving, then either you just, you're not realizing, you're not noticing, in which case go and ask somebody, do you think I'm serving? Ask Abuna. Because maybe your service is to be a faithful mother or you know, faithful in what you're at. But you have to know clearly that I am serving God in this capacity that I'm in. It's not okay to say, I don't know if I'm serving, and just leave it at that. Every one of us is called to be an active member of this body of Christ. We are called. Why does it matter to know that we are called? I'll tell you why. The rest of this verse says, following straight on that, being an active member of the body causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. These are all really, really important. If I'm not serving in some capacity, if I'm not fulfilling my calling, then I'm not growing spiritually. There's no way. There's just no way. The two go hand in hand. It says in the book of James, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The book of James, it talks a lot about this, but I've just chosen this one verse. You cannot say that you're a believer in Christ and not have any works to show it. It doesn't work. You can't say that you're a living body, but you have no heartbeat. It doesn't work. So each one of us, I want us to think right now and let God guide us and inspire us. We're going to go into a little bit more. So what do I do about this? Then if I'm called and, and I, I don't know actually what to do with myself, like what, what am I called to do? We're going to talk about that. But I want us to really understand that we are all called. You don't need to have gone to seminary. You don't need to be the holiest person in the world. Often we'll think, but I'm sinning in this thing. And you know what? Sometimes sin is conquered by serving. Often. Because instead of keeping my eyes focused on the sin that I keep doing all the time, you know, and, and a lot of these sins are sins that make us feel really guilty. Like, I don't know, pornography or overeating or, you know, doing stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing makes you think, I'm not qualified to serve. Forget about that and just start serving God. Because once you start serving, 
that sin will go away because your energy and your focus is going to start going towards God and your faith will start to grow. Because when we serve, it tests our faith. We start to see miracles. Like all these people in the Bible, King David, Moses, you know how they had these amazing experiences with God? Because they served. Moses would go up on the mountain and, and seek God and spend time with God because he was willing and, and served him and offered himself and, and did the impossible. He was, he was a simple man. He wasn't anything, there wasn't ma anything magical about him. I and mean, he made many mistakes. He was a murderer. But he listened to his calling and gave God the opportunity to use him. And because of that, he became somebody who saw God face to face, who was so close to God. And the same thing applies to us. When we follow our calling, we get so much closer to God. So it goes, don't wait until you feel ready or good enough, because that's not how it works. It's the other way around. Okay, but what is my calling? Okay, Mary, I agree, I'm called. God wants me to just do it. But what is my calling? Sorry. So, St. Paul the Apostle is famously known as the Apostle to the Gentiles. Gentiles means non-Jewish people, non-believers, non-Jewish. So he's famously known as the apostle to the Gentiles and many of his letters are to the Gentiles and, and he's very well known for preaching the gospel outside of Israel. But do you know what his calling was at the beginning? Who can answer this? It's not a trick question. What was St. Paul's calling originally or what he thought was his calling? What? To destroy Christianity. St. Paul thought his calling was to kill Christians. In fact, he became a Christian when he was on the way to kill Christians. It says that he was breathing threats at the Christians and he was on his way to go and murder Christians. And he thought, this is what I can do to honor God. This is my calling, is to destroy Christianity. That's how his calling began. Can you believe it or not? He got his calling wrong. But look what God did. God appeared to him. Sorry, I went ahead of myself. God appeared to him on the road on the way when he was going to do the wrong calling and fixed his direction because Jesus saw that this is somebody who's all in but he's in the wrong direction but that's okay it's okay to start in a service that doesn't quite fit you it's okay to, to start a service and then you mess it up and you try and do something else that's okay but you gotta start moving you know uh, Google Maps now, these days we all, we don't even memorize our directions anywhere. We don't use, uh, what do you, SatNav here. We use Google Maps these days. That's what I use, anyway. I think most of us use Google Maps. So when you're if, you're, if you're just about to start your journey, if you're in like a plaza, shopping plaza, or a, a junction and you put the directions in Google Maps, sometimes it takes a second for it to figure out which direction you're facing, right? And you have to start driving in this little plaza for it to, figure out, okay, this is the way that your car is facing, right? You know what I'm talking about? Same thing in service. Sometimes you've just got to start somewhere and let God adjust to your direction. But saying, I don't know, isn't good enough. Just start and don't wait for an apparition at the beginning. Sometimes that happens. But 99% of the time, we don't have like an apparition from God when we start our service. Just start in anything. Start anywhere. Okay, where does this anywhere start? So we're going to look now at the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus had been preaching and healing and doing miracles, and there were these 5,000 people who came to listen to him. 
And the disciples noticed that it was evening time. And they said to Jesus, Jesus, this is a deserted place, the middle of nowhere. There's no Walmart, there's no McDonald's, there's no Pizza Nova, whatever. And the hour is late, everything's closed. Send them away, they said. Send the people away. We have this big problem. We don't know how to feed them. I don't know what to do about it, so let's just push the problem away. And that's what happens a lot of the time. We see a problem in service, and we feel like, I don't know how to be the solution for this problem, so let me just close my eyes and pretend I didn't see it. We say, somebody should do something about that, but not me. We see a problem, we feel that I'm way underqualified to fill this gap in service, to, to do this thing that I know God wants. I know that God wants me to preach the gospel in, like a, in a gentle way amongst my friends or to invite my friend to church. But no, I, I, can't, I can't handle that. That's not something I'm brave enough to do or even know how to do. So I'm just going to send them away. I'm just going to ignore that problem and pretend it's somebody else's problem. Somebody else should do something about that problem. You see, this happens. Sometimes you go into the washrooms at church and you find toilet roll all over the floor. And you're like, that's gross. Why is there toilet roll all over the floor? That's, I don't know who did that. And you finish your business and leave. Somebody should do something about that toilet roll on the floor. That's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to say, I will be that someone. Instead of saying, I don't see that problem, saying, I'm willing to be the one that fills the need. This is what Jesus said to the disciples when they said, send them away. We, we don't know what to do about it. He said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And God is saying the same thing to each one of us. This is our call. His calling to us is, did you see that problem? Did you see that thing that needs fixing or that thing that needs somebody to do something about it or that gap in service? You saw it? You do something about it. You do something about it. Don't say, how am I going to feed 5,000? How am I going to, I don't know, um, how am I going to create a ministry for moms in the church? I don't know how to do that. Somebody else will do it. How am I going to create a ministry for students in the church? I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I'm nobody. I've got no experience. Somebody else will do that. How am I going to take care of all these homeless people that I cross all the time in Toronto? There's a problem with the mental health care system in Toronto. Somebody should do something about that. Aren't these thoughts that we have all the time? Somebody should do some, something about that. Well, Jesus is saying, you do something about that. Don't wait for an apparition and don't, let's not make excuses and say, but I'm not qualified or I don't know and I've never done it. Jesus doesn't, that doesn't matter with him because he's God. He just says, you do something about that. Uh, one of my friends, I can't see if she's here, I think she's here. So um, she was away for the weekend and there was a, a leak from her fridge. You know the water uh, thing in the fridge? She's here. The water thing in the fridge leaked while she was away. And uh, she has a tenant and her tenant called the fire brigade. The fire brigade came and the door, obviously no one was home and they couldn't get through to her. So the firemen went from the roof of the loft through a window that was just happened to be open, climbed all the way in and fixed the leak and it really leaked all the way through the floor into the basement and you know what they did and this is the thing I, I remember very clearly distinctly from when she was telling me this story she said and they mopped my floor 
She said, can you believe that they mopped my floor? These firemen saw a need. They didn't say, I'm a big, burly fireman. My job is to put out fires, not to mop somebody's kitchen floor. <laughs> but they saw a need and they just took care of it. And that's what God is calling us to do. That's where our calling starts. You see a need, do something about it. However small or however big, just do something. Just do it. And then you'll, like, like the, these firemen in my friend's eyes, they were like, wow, they're so admirable, they're so honorable, because they did something, they, they cared, they treated this house as if it were their own. You know something that used to annoy my mom so much? She would do the dishes, you know, even though there's a dishwasher, there's something lovely about putting dishes, dirty dishes in the sink, even though the dishwasher's empty. So as a teenager, that's what we all do, right? We just leave the dishes by the sink, and my mom would have done all the dishes, and the, dish, the sink's beautiful and clean, and I'll have like a mug of tea, and then I'll just leave it there by the sink. My mom would say, like, are you expecting your servant to clear up <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> but that's what we do as well. We just expect somebody else will take care of it. We just walk right by it as if we didn't even see it because we don't want to have anything to do. We sometimes are wicked and lazy if we're honest with ourselves because the ability, God will provide that. So that's not an excuse. I'm, I'm not good enough. We're never going to be good enough. We're never going to be perfect and pure. We're on the way to, and by serving is how we will be more pure. There is no excuse that is good enough to answer why we are not filling the need and just answering the call that God is calling all of us with. There's another very nice story. Bishop Thomas, who's a lovely bishop, who has um, a retreat center in Cairo, just outside Cairo. So I remember he was telling us this story. He said he was driving. He's a bishop, right? He was driving in Egypt, the busy streets of Cairo. And he saw this, this poor mom walking down the street with her kid who was screaming, saying, Mommy, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, Mommy, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, in, in Arabic. And they looked like they were really poor. And he, he cried to God. He's like, God, can't you send them some water? Can't you take care of them? Like, come on, poor lady. She's trying to do her best with her child, whatever. And he said he felt like God was telling him, turn your car around and you go give her some water. We are the solution. Not somebody else, you and me. All of the heroes of our faith, all of the heroes that we hear about, they're just normal people like you and me who said, here I am, send me, use me. Who said, I will give you my one talent and I will expect you to fill the lack. And he does. He loves faith like that. He loves somebody who says, you know what? I see a problem. I have no idea how to fix it but I'm going to give myself to you and let you use me whatever way and let you equip me to do it. Moses said, I don't even know how to speak. And God said, I made your mouth. I will let you speak in front of Pharaoh. Don't worry about that. And many, many people, same story. In fact, God prefers to use people who don't think they have it. He prefers people who think they don't have what it takes. He prefers people who think they're not good enough. And that's probably most of us in the room. Most of us feel like I'm, who am I to do anything about whatever issue? Um, and the first before the story of, at the very beginning of the story of the 5,000, it says, um, when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, right before the disciples came and told him it's evening and it's late, send them away. It says he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. 
Also, we want to have soft hearts that see the need around us, that aren't blind and totally obsessed. You know, there's a secret. When we're totally obsessed with ourselves, we think that's going to make us happy, but it doesn't. It has the opposite effect. When we become obsessed with the need around us, then that's when we start to feel fully alive, as we've been talking about. When we start to look outside of ourselves. That's what Jesus did all the time. He saw. What is it? Uh, Jerry Maguire? I know this is an old film. Maybe who's seen Jerry Maguire? <laughs> Is it Jerry Maguire? Yeah. Uh, no, no, not Jerry Maguire. Titanic. Titanic. I'm sure most people have seen Titanic. Sorry, completely different. Sorry. <laughs> I need to watch it again. Now I'm getting rusty. <laughs> so Titanic. So when <laughs> Jack, um, uh, Rose is about to, to jump. This is it, yeah. Rose is about to jump. She, she hates her life. So she's about to jump off the Titanic, right? Into the water. And, and then Jack, who they fall in love eventually, rescues her and he convinces her not to jump. And then they talk the next day, and, and, she's, and he's drawing a picture. Of, he's an artist, so he's drawing a picture of her. And she asks him, so what do you see? And he says, I see you. That's it. That's his answer. I see you. And it's so meaningful. It's like, somehow, just to be seen, to be really seen, is so meaningful. And if we, the closer we get to God, we start to really see the people around us, the need around us. We start to have compassionate eyes. And because we have the faith, like we talked about last week, we have the faith that believes in the impossible. Nothing can limit me. My resources are not an issue. Often, you know, you know why we turn a blind eye? Because we think we can do nothing about it. But if we realize in that very split second, well, I actually, I can do something about it because my God is a big God. So I actually can do something about whatever this need is. Um, another person who answered a call, Nehemiah. Beautiful story. So, in chapter one, Nehemiah was the cupbearer for a king. He was not in his homeland. He was kind of like a slave, I guess, but he was high up, right? Abuna, is that correct? Yeah. But he was like senior um, in his position. And then one day he heard that his city, his hometown, was in ruins. The wall was crumbling, it's in ruins. He's probably living a pretty comfy life because he's serving in the king's palace, right? So he's probably dressed in clean clothes and respectable environment. He has a very nice job. He's the most trusted person in the palace because he's the cup bearer who tastes the wine before to make sure it's not poisoned, right? So he's living a pretty good and comfortable life. He doesn't need very much in his life, which is the case for many of us. We're living a pretty come. We have our ups and downs, but on the whole, life is okay. I'm okay. He heard these words, it said, and he sat down and wept. He heard the words that his home city was in ruins. And he mourned for many days. You know, mourning in those cultures is like mourning, like black and ashes. And it's not like, oh, I'm so sad. It was dramatic. And he fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He saw the need. He saw it. He heard it. And he didn't just let it go in one ear, out the other. He let it go straight to his heart. Because he knew, it went through prayer later, he knew that his God can do something about us, about the problem. Often we'll walk past the homeless in Toronto. You know why we just walk past? It's probably not because we don't care. It's because we think, what can I do about that? There's nothing I can do. But if we put God in the picture, our, our, our assessment of situations will be completely different. We won't be like the disciples saying, send those people away. What am I going to do? How am I going to feed 5,000? No, that's not an issue. My God is a rich God, so that's not the issue anymore. 
Same thing with all of us. When we see a need like Nehemiah, instead of dismissing it because we don't think we can do something about it, we can go and turn to God and say, Lord, I saw a need in my church today. I saw a need in my workplace today. How can I fill it? How can I do something about it? And it always, always starts with prayer. And then his beautiful prayer, I can't remember if I put to the next verse up in the text. Yes, his beautiful prayer led to this, this scenario. So the, the next time he was with the king, the king said to him, but you look so sad, what's wrong? And as soon as he asked him, he, took, he jumped on the opportunity and he said, told his king who's not even Jewish, I ask that you send me to Judah, send me. I'm putting my hand up and I'm saying, I will fill this need, not somebody else, me, to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. I don't know what he knew about building, but you need to be pretty experienced to build something. That's like, imagine you say, oh, you know, Abuna, send me. I'm going to build that thing for you, Abuna. You need a conference center. I'm going to build it for you. That's what he said. I'm going to build it for you. That's a big project to build something with the people who are scattered. I don't think he knew how he was going to do it at the time, but he said, send me, I will build it. And he asked, he actually asked for the king to send him with supplies and protection. Can you believe it? He was so gutsy, but he had a big faith. Same for us. We are all called. And if you see a need, this is important. If you see a need, consider it your calling until God redirects you. If you see a need, don't wait and wait for God to appear to you. Just consider it your calling and fill it, and then he will redirect your steps, like St. Paul. But for too many of us, we feel like, I don't know what my calling is, so we just do nothing. We just do nothing. And that is a decision in of itself. We are all called. That's not, you don't need to worry about that question anymore. I'm telling you, we are all called. And if you see a need which God will open your eyes to. And God opens different people's eyes to different needs, by the way, because he, he's calling you to different things. Consider that you're calling for now. Um, sorry, back to the previous one. Um, Abuna, when he was being called to be a priest, uh, we weren't sure what to do. Should we say yes? Should we say no to the priesthood? And a lot of high caliber priest Sabuna Tedros Malati and other uh, Father Mark our Father Confession told us this advice they told us the same advice they said you can't refuse it you can't refuse the priesthood just as simple as that that was their simple answer you can't refuse it it's not an option if this is not from God he will close the door priesthood is a calling just as any other calling calling to be a Sunday school teacher, a calling to be to help with outreach in our church, a calling to be in the worship team, a calling to, um, to serve the people at St. Peter's Mission um, in the, you know, the, the less fortunate mission that we, we do out there in Scarborough, a calling to, um, th- we've got this breakfast program that we're starting up, a calling to do anything. I just lost my line of thought, guys. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> Sorry, you can't reject the call, but you can forget it. <laughs> Sorry. We can't reject the call. God will close the door if he wants. Easily. It is so easy for the door to close. And don't be discouraged if it does close. Just find the next need in front of you and see how God will use you in that. Don't be discouraged. It's trial and error. Like Unless God has appeared to you, just, but just keep telling, Lord, I, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. I'm willing to do anything. Here I am. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm, imagine like one, one of my kids every morning gets told me, Mommy, I want to do whatever you want. 
I help mommy can I help you I mean I have to say at this age when she offers to help to do mopping is sometimes has the opposite effect but it's so cute <laughs> and that's okay if we make a mess and you know we don't do perfect jobs when we're trying to fill out that's okay do it with the guidance of a Buddha and your spiritual guide but but do something don't think I don't need to do anything because you're just not sure you just you know and if after all we've been talking about you're still not sure what God wants you to do this is really easy our church your church has a vision our church your church the vision is to reach the unchurched to reach people who don't know Jesus who don't go to church regularly with love in action not with love and words but with love in action that's your church's vision so if you're still stumped and you think I don't know what my calling is take this one here you go <laughs> let's reach the unchurched with love in action in your workplace you can just you can even take a shot of this and every day when you go to work when you go to school say Lord today how can I reach somebody unchurched with love in action I'm not saying go and preach and go whack them over the head with a Bible but how can I reach so-and-so with love in action my neighbor the person that I sit next to on the subway every day or the bus every day or how can I reach the unchurched with love in action there you go that's a simple calling right there so wide you can do whatever you want with it so wide <laughs> and there's so many spheres that we can do that in but let's just start somewhere we are all called to good works. And if we see a need, that is, we can consider that our calling until the Lord redirects us. We're going to finish with one, um, one uh, last story. And this is important. Give it all you got. Don't do it half-hearted. A lot of the time we'll serve half-hearted, and that just doesn't get you anywhere. If you try and do some studies half-hearted, you're just going to get Ds the whole way through. Anything we do half-hearted, it will show. And you won't enjoy it. But if you give it all you've got until God redirects you, then you will find God's blessing. If you say, Lord, this is where I'm at right now. This is what I think you're calling me to do right now. I'm going to give it everything I have. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability in the best way that I can. I'm going to throw everything that I have, my, my time, like within reason, obviously. I'm not saying like do anything crazy, but I am not going to be selfish in this i'm going to give my time i'm going to give my money i'm going to give my resources i'm going to do research i'm going to see what can i do to do the very best for you lord for your children what can i do to do the very very best so there's a story in the book of second kings um elisha the prophet is on his deathbed he's dying the king of israel gets into a big panic because elisha's dying and he's like oh this is like my one connection to god and god is the one who blesses me when i get into battles and so i need to go to him and and get like a word from him before he dies so he goes to him he's like oh i'm really stressed and help me and you know this is my situation i'm worried about battles he was enemies with the king of syria so Elisha took his hand and he, and he told him, take a bow and arrow, open the eastward window. The eastward window is pointing towards Syria and shoot an arrow right out, right out this window. So he did. He shot the arrow right out this window at nobody in particular, but towards Syria. In those days when you did that, that meant that you're declaring war. So he, he, and he, so he did it. And then Elisha told him, you will have victory against Syria just because he shot this arrow. He declared war. Then he told him, take some arrows now and hit it on the floor. 
this is a prophet of God, right? He does miracles all the time. So this, there's some meaning. He must know there's some meaning behind this because I just shot the arrow and he told me that I'm going to win the battle against Syria. So I wonder what this thing next means. So he said, strike it on the floor. So stuck, struck it three times. Elisha flipped out at him. He's like, why did you strike it only three times? You should have done it six or seven. Why did you just do it like half-heartedly three times only? He probably felt a bit silly, like uh, arrows are not for hitting the floor with. It's like taking, a, I don't know, um, some car keys and hitting the floor three times with the car keys and expecting your car to turn up in the room. Or I don't know what. It doesn't make any sense. He told him, if you had struck it six or, se- six or seven times, you would, have had, you would have utterly destroyed Syria. But because you didn't, you will only have victory three times. The same thing in our calling. If we go for it wholeheartedly, rather than kind of like, we will see great victory in our service. We will see God's blessing. And sometimes service, you won't see blessing immediately. Often not. But you keep going, keep going until God redirects you. But if from the very beginning we're like, oh, I'm just doing it because Abuna asked me, rather than I'm doing this for God, I'm doing this for the king, it will have a very different outcome. So just to recap, we are all called, all of us called to good works again. And if you see a need, just say, I'm that somebody, I will fill that need and then give it all you've got. And if you don't know, okay, you know, I'm really convinced by this, but I don't know what to do now. A little plug for Saturday. We've got our servant spiritual day. I think that is organizing it, right? Or <laughs> we have our servant spiritual day on Saturday. I strongly encourage every one of us here. We are all members of this church. Servants are not 1% of this community. Many of you have done cafe. Many of you have cleaned parts of the church. Many of you have put up decorations in church. Many of you have done, have simply, there's somebody who comes, bless this person. Abuna will call them up and say, can you rearrange the furniture in church? You don't need, probably you don't even, most of you don't even know about this person. This person comes and rearranges the tables and the chairs for Abuna for an event that's going to happen the next day. That's a beautiful ministry. This person is so faithful. You, you, most of you all don't even know who this is, who I'm talking about. There are so many opportunities to serve God and to serve his children. All of us should be at that servant spiritual day. All of us are called to be servants. doesn't mean that you have to teach a lesson, but there are so many services. And I'm not talking about Sunday school only. There are so many ministries. And we are all called to be servants. He says, without works, your faith is dead. So if you can honestly tell me, or to, I don't need you to tell me, but in front of God say, I'm a Christian, but I don't have any works. I don't think I'm called to serve. Then I want you to look at that Bible verse and explain it to yourself. I don't know how you will explain that verse to yourself. Because faith without works is dead. Let's not pretend. Let's not pretend. So, unless you have a really good reason, I feel I'm, I don't know if I'm being too pushy. <laughs> but we are all servants. If you want to have a living faith, if you want to have a living relationship with God, if you want to see God in your everyday, I'm telling us we are all called to be servants. So, I would love, nothing would make me happier than to see every single one of us at this servant spiritual day on Saturday. I think Abu Nubshoi Salama will be coming and joining us on Saturday as well 
Um, and I, Abuna is setting up to have three volunteer coordinators also who are going to help you if you don't currently have a service and you, you know you just you want to tell Abuna you know what I'll do whatever you want me to do I actually don't know but I'm here I am send me I'll do whatever you want this is my skill set but I'm to do whatever you want we'll have some volunteer coordinators on Saturday who can help to start hooking you up into some sort of service but it doesn't have to be an official service in church service takes so many forms but if you consider yourself a servant, which according to the Bible, all of us are, then it would be great to see you at the Servant Spiritual Day to help encourage each other as we are one body knit together to, to edify each other and to, to grow in love together. Um, does anybody have any questions or comments? Okay, I'll just one little confession also before I wrap up. So before giving this talk, Abuna actually asked me to give a talk two weeks ago. And something, I just was so hesitant and I said no in the end. And I, it was all of my own personal insecurities that made me say no. And that was the wrong thing to do. This week I had the same battle as well before preparing this talk. Until actually this very morning I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll let Abuna use my slides and whatever. Like I had tons of, I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like my own spiritual walk isn't good enough. Like lots of reasons. I felt like I have nothing useful to say. The devil always comes and battles us and fights us with things like this to stop us from serving. And he will do the same with each one of us here. But be strong and don't give him an opportunity and say, well, okay, but God has called me and he will equip me. So just be encouraged and know that God has a special, beautiful call for each one of us here. Whatever your gifts, your talents, there is something beautiful and special and critical that only you can do for the kingdom of heaven. Only you. We need you. <laughs> All right. uh, Glory be to God forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, loved us from since before time began. Lord, you've endowed every single person here with a special gift, a special talent. And above, all that, above that, Lord, with energy, with time, with thoughtfulness, with an ability to, to, to do, Lord, with health, with finances, with... Whatever, Lord, each person, Lord, you've endowed each person here, Lord, with something, with many things, something specific and lots of general ability, lots of general ability. Please, Lord, take our ability, Lord, as we offer it to you and make something beautiful out of it. You are the one, Lord, who takes broken vessels and restores them and fills them up and uses them to quench the nations. Take us, Lord, your broken vessels. Mend us up and send us out, Lord, to give water to the thirsty, to give food to the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit the lonely. Give us, Lord, use us. Use us for your glory, Lord. Never that the world would see us, never that the world would see me, never that the world would give me your glory, but that your glory may be declared among all the nations, that every knee will bow, every tongue will proclaim, every single person will glorify you 
Because as you promised us, they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In your mighty name we pray through the sessions and prayers of all your saints, prayers of all my beloved fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters gathered here, the prayers of St. Moses, St. Catherine, St. Mary, first and last. Hear us, Lord, as we pray to our Father who art in heaven. Another reminder that there's stuff going on this week almost every single day starting from Tuesday. Um, Servant Spiritual Day next Saturday and next week. The, the Kiev revival with guest speakers flying in from all over Canada um, to come and to bless us. Um, get an announcements sheet and come join us for all of this fun stuff. God bless you.